Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. All sufficient God of Bethlehem. I know everyone here, practically everyone here, at some point in time, you lost, you lost a tooth. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> lost teeth or tooth before? Yeah. Where is it? Through the three various means. Someone is oh God, love through kissing it. <laughs> through various means, and when you lose some part of your body. You don't know where it is because it's really no normal part of the body. It doesn't have the body life. It doesn't. The usefulness of anything in your body is when it serves the purpose of your body. So you can say your toe has a body life because it's actually serving a purpose in the body. The reason why you cut your nails or cut your hair or shape because really you don't need it for the purpose of the body. So a cut, when you cut your hair and leave it lying there, really you, you can just watch it but it doesn't do anything for you. Your body doesn't need it because it doesn't benefit the body. Sometimes even the wig benefits the body than a, more than a shaved hair. <laughs> even though the wig is not necessarily, it doesn't have the body life. Anything in your body and anything in everybody's body is supposed to serve, is supposed to serve a purpose. It's supposed to serve a purpose, anything in everybody's body. So if you you know, sometimes the doctors can take something out of your body because it's actually not serving the purpose or it may be harming the, the body, all right? So they have to take it out because it really doesn't make any much difference. Maybe stop functioning. The, the purpose of a member of the body is to have a body life. And a body life means that serving the purpose of the body. Some of you haven't realized that the church is a body. So members of the church are supposed to benefit the church. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says that we, though many, are one body. Right. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So even as the body has, Christ is also one body. All right, and then I think first Corinthians, Romans chapter 12, I think, verse 12, also talks about how we, no, no, that, I think, we being many are one body. I just said this. <laughs> so we are many, but we are one body. So the members of the body are supposed to serve the body. Some of us don't actually have, yeah. So we being many are one body in Christ. 
and individually members of one another. So I am a member of you, you are a member of me, and we are all members of one another in the body. So actually, I'm supposed to be serving you and you are supposed to be serving me, which makes the body grow. Now, it is called the church life. The church, the church life is not going to church. Going to church really is not in the Bible. But living the church life, what does it mean to live the church life? You are in the body and serving the interest of the body. You are in the church and serving the church. Because if you are in a body and you are not serving the interest in the body, you actually don't have the body life. That is how God has made it to be. So every Christian, if you are a Christian, God expects you to serve the church. Because God has only one career. And the career of God is to build the church. That's all God is doing. What's God doing? <laughs> Was it yesterday I spoke about people think God is there to feed the hungry, heal the sick? No, 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 that's not. God is there to build a church. He's building the church. And that, that's, that's his... It will, it will interest you to know that the church is God's satisfaction. There's nothing on earth that can satisfy God but the church. There is nothing on earth that pleases God but the church. God's focus of pleasure is in the church. The Bible says that he purposed all these things according to the goodwill of his own pleasure. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8, 9, 10, talks about the pleasure of God. He did all these things according to the counsel of his own pleasure. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 8. Verse 8, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and in prudence. 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Right? So the only thing that brings God pleasure is the church. A natural mind cannot understand it. Man, the place is dark. Let there be light in the world. <laughs> Even God didn't want to work in darkness. So, the, the purpose, there's only one thing God is doing. And I heard Bishop Dark say it recently again. He said, there's only one thing God is doing. And what is it? Building the church. What do you think God, how do you think God will see you? if he sees that you are focusing on building the church. You just get his attention. Oh, you are doing what I'm doing, what I want done. When you read Genesis chapter one, 
God, the divine revelation of God's name is given to us. When you read the Bible, you find out God is called several names. In Genesis chapter 1, he reveals himself to us as, when you read the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning God, you see. This was written in Hebrew. And in English, we say God. We have limited vocabulary. So we say God. For instance, as some of you may be aware, the word love in English is just love. But in Greek, we love, you can translate it as, uh, you can agape, philio, stoige, and eros, they are all love. But in English, we say love. But in Greek, they will say, she has so much eros for her husband. She has so much love for her husband. She has so much um, love for her shoes, or she has uh, so much filial for her brother. But we say she has so much love for her brother. She has so, so much uh, 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 stogie for the things that she's exposed to, the training she's got, her certificate. We ask, she has so much love. Or Bible talks about how the Pharisees, they love to stand in the marketplaces. But that love is not the same as they love their wife or they love their daughter. But in English is one word, love. So the English vocabulary is very limited. For instance, the word praise in Hebrew has different, there are different words that were translated praise. Halel, Toda, Yada, Tehila, all translated praise in English. See, so the English language is very limited. And some other languages are even more limited. For instance, I'm, I found out that in, in Russia, there's no word for um, manslaughter. So it's like, kill, everything is kill, kill, kill. <laughs> murder, murder, kill, manslaughter, all the same. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just um, human language. So some languages, that's why, that's the problem of translation. Sometimes you don't have the actual words to be able to accurately translate. So when you are studying some in the scriptures, then sometimes there be, there, you, there's the need for you to understand what was translated as the simple word we read. All right, it helps you to ha have a better comprehension of what you're reading. Now, the same way, the, word, the names of God, God has different names, but usually God, Lord, and um, that's the same, Lord, God, and Lord. So sometimes when it's translated God, it's a different word. Other times it's translated Lord, it's a different word. For instance, in the beginning, God, that the Greek word God was Elohim, Elohim. Now, Elohim is the name of the title, the, the divine title of God as it relates to his creation. Elohim, that the self existed. He doesn't need anybody, anybody to be him. It all by himself. Elohim. He exists by himself. So in the beginning, God. He was just there. Elohim. He didn't need anything to exist. So Elohim created. So then, but so in Genesis chapter 1, you only see Elohim, 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 Elohim. God. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it begins to add another King James to tell you the Lord. So Genesis chapter 2, from verse 5, you see, you see, you see, you see this. When you see this L-O-R-D in capitals, it's not the normal law. This is a particular name, but we translated it in English as Lord. 
that some translations render it Jehovah or Yahweh. And that name Yahweh or that name Jehovah, it's God's it's the divine revelation about God in relation to his people or people. So anytime you see the Lord God, uh, which version is that? ASV. The Lord God is Jehovah God. Jehovah, the one who relates with his people. Anytime it has to, it comes with, it has to do with relationship with human beings, the title Jehovah. Anytime it comes to power as creation, the title Elohim, which is translated God. So there you hear people say that Jehovah God, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh, as it relates with human beings. But in Genesis chapter 2, when he's talking, talking, he was going to talk more about, and and God said to man, and the Lord God, when you read, you see God, he said, the Lord God said to man, the Lord God said, the Lord God said, the Lord, when he came to Abraham, I'm the Lord, God. So it's it's in relation now. So in Genesis chapter 1, there's a divine revelation of his name as God. In Genesis chapter 2, there's a divine revelation of of his name as uh, Jehovah. But Throughout, from there, there's no new revelation of a name. So you get to Genesis chapter 17. Because the revelation of his name tells you his agenda. Tells you what he's up to, what he's doing. So he reveals himself, for instance, when he shows up and he says, I am the Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of war. That means that the battle is mine. I'm going to fight for you. When he says that, Jehovah, when you read um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He uses the word Jehovah Ra. God is the shepherd. He's the carer. He's the caretaker. He's the pastor. He's the provider. All right. So it tells you what he's about to do. Because nobody can be able to, or no one word can be able to comprehensively describe God. It's only Jesus who is the, who is the embodiment of the totality of God in human form. So, in, in human or physical terms, the only way you can have an idea about how God looks like is Jesus. Because Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says that, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, physically. Bodily, you look at him and you see the word, you say bodily, bodily, physically, in him dwells, the Godhead means God the Father, God the Son, God, all, whatever God is, physically, Restricted in human terms because there's no human uh, create, create, created stuff that or nothing finite can comprehensively express the infinite. Yeah. Does that make sense? So finite. So how much more can? But Jesus is the Bible says in Hebrews chapter one verse three. He is the ex, express image, immediate image, the thumbprint. So like God's thumbprint. You want to know? His thumbprint, he puts in the ink and look at that says Jesus. Jesus is the thumbprint, the express image of God, of the invisible, the God you can see. He, Jesus Christ is the express image, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So in Christ, God is expressed. God the creator. But back to Genesis. So in Genesis chapter 17, God drops in a new name. But most of our Bibles will not express it well, but it's okay because of the translation. Not that the Bible is bad, the translation. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. 
When Abraham was 99 years old, the, did you see that thing? The Lord. See? The Lord. There's Jehovah relationship. Jehovah appeared to him. That's why it's in capitals. Because there's no proper word. And that's what is called Yahweh. When he appeared to Moses, he said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham. His relationship. He never said, I'm Elohim. He didn't appear to people and tell them, I'm Elohim. He always said, I'm the Lord. So, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, listen, let's read it. Let's read from the top. Let's go. I like it when you read it loud. Okay, let's go. And said, I am Almighty God. Walk before me. The first time he mentioned, he said, I am. He said, I am. And then he drops the title, Almighty God. The Hebrew word is El Shaddai. Shaddai. Which in English is translated Almighty. But in some other translations, the appropriate word is actually you. All sufficient. I'm the all sufficient God. The actual, I said it in CTG some time ago. The actual Greek uh, or Hebrew word translated is the is U D in English is U D D E R. Oda, you know what Uda is? Mammary gland. The mammary gland. So God in, in some translations or in, in, in certain circles is described as the watch this heavenly breasted one. Yes. The, so in in ancient times, so in times of antiquity, they had there were certain goddesses and images they would draw full of breasts. Wow. Yeah. And the breast is a sign of supply and provision. So God actually is like one big breast. Loaded with milk. That's what he's trying to say. I'm El Shaddai. Loaded with milk. What is a breast full of milk supposed to be for? Remember, not all breast has milk. About 80 or 90% of the breasts you see that don't have milk. Okay. <laughs> but it's true. No, more than 90%. If you ask the, the ladies here who have milk, it's only a few. And the milk is, you have milk because of the presence of a baby. Yes, 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 yes. If you don't have a baby, there's no baby in your life and there's milk, it's a medical issue. You have to go yes, to yes, the yes, GP. Yes, 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 yes. Because you are not supposed to have milk. Unless there is a son, there's a child. Yes, yes. And I was teaching in CTG. That's why the flow of God over an anointed man, it flows when sons are present. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, it's okay if your breast doesn't have milk. You are not supposed to anyway, unless you have a child. So God said, me, I am the heavily breasted one. Man, I'm full of milk. I'm, and when a breast is full of milk, I remember my mom, when she had her last child, she goes to town and she rush back home. And when she gets home, she said, hey, my, my baby is crying, she's hungry. Said, ah, but how did you know? He said, because I can tell it's time to deliver. When the breast is full of milk, the only purpose is to discharge, release, dispense. Okay, so when God shows up and he says that I am the heavenly breasted one, I'm Jehovah El Shaddai, what does that mean? I'm, around, I'm here to supply, I'm coming to provide, I'm coming to deliver, I'm coming to give. Amen. 
So he comes to Abraham and tells Abraham, I am Jehovah El Shaddai. The all-sufficient God, some will translate almighty God, all-sufficient God. And we find out, according to Genesis chapter 35, verse 9, I need you to follow me very carefully, because you, you learned something, that God appeared, did you see appearance again? Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him, verse 10. And God said to him, your name is J Jacob. I need you to take notice of it, okay? God appeared, and what did God say? Amen. Your, name, your name shall not uh, shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel. So what happened to, what did God do about him? Change name, all right? When God, watch this. But Israel, but Israel shall, uh, shall, your, uh, shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. He appeared and changed his name. Look at the next verse. That's what you get your interest. Also God said, what did he say? I am, I am Jehovah, I'm God, Shaddai. I am all sufficient God. Then he said, be fruitful and multiply. And the nation, a nation and a company of nations shall pro proceed from you and kings shall come. Ah. So when he appeared, things, I want you to notice things, the few things that happened. Number one, what, what happened? He mentions the name that is Jehovah uh, El Shaddai, and then what that happened? He changes the name, and then what did he do again? He gave. Thank you, Pastor. He gave a promise. He gave a promise. So he changed name and gave a promise. El Shaddai changed name, gave a promise. Let's look at Abraham's version, chapter chapter seventeen again. Genesis chapter seventeen. When Abraham God appeared to him and he said, I am Almighty God, walk before me. I'm Jehovah El Shaddai. And then he says that, and I will make a covenant with thee. And uh, me and you, and I'll see, watch this. I will, I will. Look at this. Is this similar to what we saw in Jacob's? Multiplication. Increase. Multiplication. When he, the promise is a promise of increase. Remember that. Okay. So, exceedingly, go to the next verse. Go to the next verse, please. And Abraham fell on his face and talked with God, uh, uh, sorry, and God talked with him, saying, go to the next verse. As for me, behold, my covenant is with me, with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Now look at the next verse. This is where we'll get. You, do you see this? No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Did you see that he changed name here again? He changed name, Abraham means Abraham, A-B-R-A-M, means exalted one. Abraham means the father of many, the multiplied one. Exalted one is good, but God prefers you to be multiplied. Amen. You must bear fruits. That's where it's going. So when he shows up in Abraham's life, he tells him that I'm changing your name. Name change depicts change of nature, transformation. When you encounter El Shaddai, he works something in you, your disposition begins to change. Because he, oh, I see, thank you, Jesus. God has an objective and agenda. His meeting Abraham was not to, hello Abraham, you're a nice man, no. He came with his own agenda to make something out of Abraham. 
And what he was planning on making out of Abraham was a people. And so Abraham received the promise. Remember, I gave him promise. So he changed the name, which reflects, reflects nature. Okay, change of nature. And then what, what did he do again? He gave me a promise. Right. And Abraham received the word of God, and he was the father of faith. He is the father of faith, as a matter of fact. Watch this. And Abraham had Isaac. We didn't hear much about God doing something with Isaac because Isaac was unique in a certain sense. And then Abraham had Jacob. So the promise from, went from Abraham, okay, to Isaac. And then from Isaac, where did he go? To Jacob. So Jacob now had the promise. And God shows up in, to Jacob. Jacob, for your information, the first time Jacob had encounter with God was in a dream. When he left home, Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, Bible said, took a stone as a pillow, used it as a pillow, and slept. And behold, in a dream, he saw the heavens, he saw a ladder. Ah, man. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending. Remember, this time will not permit, it's not part of my topic, but Jesus told Nathaniel, you, when, what would you do when you see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man? So Jesus said, me, I'm the one who connects, I'm Jacob's ladder. The one who connects heaven and earth. John chapter 1, I think the last verse, there, 58 or so. So, now, so he says that he saw a ladder. Look at the next, let's go to verse 12, uh, verse 13, please. Verse 13, because that. And behold, this, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I'll give to you and your descendants. Promise. Go to the next verse. And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And God speak, spoke to him. He had an encounter. Verse 18 says that Jacob arose. For, when Jacob woke up, and Jacob arose early in the morning and took a stone that, the stone that he had put as his, at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. Watch it. Go to the next verse. And he called the name of the place what? Uh, he called the name of the place what? He called the name of the place what? The name of the place, but it used to be called uh, the city had been last previously. The next, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying that God, if you take me and, uh, where I'm going and keep me from all the hazards of life and bring me, uh, 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 give me food to eat and everything, I'll make a vow to you. Go to the next verse. And he says that, so that I come back peacefully and uh, in the fire. Uh, then the Lord shall be my God. Jacob is always negotiating. <laughs> In a dream, he met God. He was, he was negotiating. If you do food, and I'll pay my tithe. That's what he said. He said, if you keep me, give me food, protect me, and bring me back, then you shall be my God, and I'll, I'll pay my tithe. Go to the next verse, verse 22. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I'll give a t- my, my tithe. So he set the stone, he said, this shall be God's house, and he called the place Bethel. Now, that's the first time we heard that phrase, God's house, the house of God in the Bible. I'm taking you somewhere. So, 
Abraham had a promise passed on to, he ended up in Jacob. As soon as Jacob received the promise, he left home. On his way, running out and going, he fell asleep, had a heavenly encounter, and God said that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to bless you. And then Jacob woke up, he said, this is the house of God. Set the stone which he used as a pillow, set it as a pillar, pour oil on it. He said, God, if you take me and protect me and I'll come back, I will be my God. Bethel, say Bethel. Then Jacob went, Jacob goes to, or went to um, Laban, sojourns there, has a child. So he marries two women, got, got two wives, and then had 12 children. 12 sons with four women. And and, and then he left his father's um, uncle's house. And then on his way back, he was told that his brother was coming to kill him, looking for him. But before he left his uncle's house, God, this is interesting. This one, I wish I had a chair to sit down like this. And we got to talk. No, no, I don't need that. So come, bless. God appeared to him when he was in Laban's house. Genesis chapter 31, verse 13. See, see what God told him. Genesis chapter 31, verse 13. God said, I am the God of Beth. I'm, I'm what? I'm what? What is better when he left when God met him where God met him and he named the place the house of God better now after he has struggled and prayed through has come God appears said I'm the God of better say I'm the God of better isn't it interesting now God calls himself the God of better because the God of God the God of the, the house of God then chapter 35 verse 1 because what happened was that, before we go to 35 verse 1, what happened was that Jacob, on his, when he left Laban's house, he was going back. And then he was told um, his brother Esau was coming to kill with, coming to attack him with men. And then the Bible says that at night, Genesis chapter 32, a man wrestled with him. And he fought with the man. You know that story? And the man hit Gave me a blow, a mortal blow, a blow on his hip, and I couldn't stand anymore. And as he wrestled with the man, and the man said, The night, hey, the day is breaking, I have to go. He said, You are not going anywhere. Wow. He said, Genesis 32, verse 28. He says, you, uh, uh, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Watch this. He had an encounter with a personality who, Bible didn't say a man came. Mm, yeah. And Bible didn't say a man left. Yeah. Yeah. He said, A man wrestled with him. The man never left, he never came. He's always been around him. When the man showed up, I think he thought it was one of the soldiers who had come from his brother. <laughs> the man, so, and he, and, uh, he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob liked the blessing. Go to the next verse. And he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And then, and he said, your name shall no longer be uh, Jacob, that is a supplanter, a heel snatcher. That's Jacob, a heel snatcher. Mm. Someone's destiny is changing in church. Amen. Don't worry about, don't worry about how they knew you to be. Okay. Oh, all those girls, don't worry about what they knew you to be. Okay. All those boys, they knew as that as for her, you can go and you 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 you, you, you get it. <laughs> but your life. 
your nature. There is transformation happening in church in your life. So God changed his name and he said, they are no, more, no longer a hill snatcher, but you are Israel. For He said, you shall, your name shall be called Israel for, for you have struggled with God and man and with men and have prevailed. You are a prince. Israel, a prince of God. And then look at what happened. That goes to the next verse. And then Jacob asked him, say, tell me your name. I pray you. And he said, why do you want me to, uh, why, uh, why, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. What happened? Bible never said the man left. He, went, he just blessed him. That's it. But you know what is unique here? He didn't give him any promise. He just changed his name. God does not give promise anyway. That place is called Padan Aram. He was in Padan Aram. He met God. He fought. He said, bless me. He blessed him, but he didn't give you any promise. I want you to get something. Because what we call church is is misrepresentation of what Christ died for. Most people think, oh, why is the church not doing this? Why is the church not doing this? We have to know what the church is. And then why are, you a, why are you a member of the body of Christ? Mm. You must know why. Mm. Why is God a supplier? Mm. What is his chief aim? Why is he supplying for you? Why is he doing miracles for you? Mm. Why must he supply, provide for you? Mm. That must be in perspective. Yeah. Other than that, we will be embarking on, on a futile exercise, mm-hmm. thinking that, why, God, why, what, what are you doing to me? God, what are you doing to me? So, from whom, from whom the whole body Join and knit the whole body, the entire body of Christ, okay? Join and knit, be joined. Come, join us, please. Join them. So the body is joined and knit together, all right? Together by what? Every joint. Every joint is doing what? Supply. Every joint is doing what? Supply. <laughs> Every joint is doing what? Supply. Not what Christ is supplying, no? You are meant to supply something for the church. That's why his El Shaddai to you. He supplies to you. He, 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 he comes into you as El Shaddai and flows out of you as El Shaddai. For, watch this, watch this. Every joint, according to that we, uh, every joint supply, according to the effective work, working by which every part does its share. What is this? Causes growth. So God, work, their body grows by itself based on the supply of the members. Based on the effective functioning of the members. That is what makes the body of Christ grow. So, Non-functional members are costing the body of Christ. Their body grows. Their body grows by itself. It nourishes itself. But it cannot nourish itself in isolation. It's in connection. So we are all connected to Christ. And so Philippians 1, 19, according to the bountiful supply, the first time the Bible used the spirit of Jesus Christ. When I started teaching on the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, when it came to the Holy Spirit, the progressive revelation of the Spirit of God. Genesis is the Spirit of God. Then he said the Spirit of the Lord. Then he came to the Holy Spirit when Jesus was about to be born. Then from there, he came to the Spirit of Christ. Now, it's the Spirit of Jesus. Then, then after the Spirit of Christ, before Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus. Now here, said the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Wait, when I start teaching on the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, so he says that, um, for which 
that uh, to turn to my deliverance through the prayer and the supply. When you read some other verses, he said, bountiful supply, supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So whatever I am doing now for the building of, of the body of Christ is not from you. No, no. It's a supply from El Shaddai. An ample supply from El Shaddai, which is meant for the building of Bethel. That's why I said, go to Bethel and let's start business. Go to Bethel and let's start business. God's major focus is the church. That's all. That's all. Carnal people won't understand. Mm. And God can't be bothered. Mm. <laughs> I am trying to teach an eternal message. That's right. That's right. An eternal. Too many of us have come to use God to get. Mm. So when you hear El Shaddai, supplier, so. He says that for our sufficiency is of God who has made us able to be surprised so that we can work. All sufficient is a flow. All sufficient God of Bethel. He supplies for us so that we will multiply. He said, He gave the promise. He said, I will multiply you. I am all shall die. I change your name so that you can multiply and build my house. Your changed life is for the purposes of building the body. And say, when we go to heaven, when we go to heaven, your, your account is going to be based not on your salary. So watch this. A good pastor is not supposed to be praying majorly for you to have increase of salary. That's good. But it's useless in the light of God's eternal destiny for you. It's useless because if you are getting more salary and you are not building the house of God, you are not doing God's work, you, some of you are preachers. God has called you to be a preacher. You are busy earning more money. It's good to earn money. But you die. You realize that the money will take you anyway. So a good pastor is to tune the people towards eternal destiny, towards the building of what God is building. And that's why God called you. And that's why God saved you. I said something so profound. I think yesterday or Thursday at Cash the Glory, I said the reason why God heals is because yes, yes. he's building the church. Yes, yes. <laughs> God is not healing because someone is sick. God is not providing because someone is in need. Then that justifies the question. If there is God, why are people suffering? What has that got to do with him? What is his career? Hey! So everything God does, the chief aim and objective is Bethel. Now, Pastor, why are you saying that? The house of God is the church. Please sit down. First Peter, I'm finishing. First Peter chapter 1, sorry, chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, uh, this message you have to listen over and over. It is intense, but it is necessary. Very necessary. Very necessary. I hear the arrival, the coming of a storm. Amen. United Kingdom, the church has to be positioned. 
A genuine prophet does not wait for the newspapers to determine what he preaches. A genuine prophet preaches before the newspapers begin to talk about things that he started talking about. And I can hear a storm. Church in London, wake up. The church in London, wake up. First Peter chapter one verse, chapter four verse seventeen. He says that for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And listen, and if it begins with who? Us. Who are the us? The house of God. It's beginning at the house of God. He says so. If it's beginning at us, so we, the church, we are the house of God. As simple as that. It's so simple, arithmetic. Mm. <laughs> it's like one plus one, two. Simple. Simples. Compare the miracle.com. Simples. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I need something, please. Say, first Timothy chapter 3, it says that. Let's can we all read it together? Yeah. All right. Oof. All right, let's go. Read, everybody. Let's go. In fact, see, you see, when we talk about the house of God, first of all, you see what he said is that, that you might know how to conduct yourself. A whole letter written to show you how you should behave in church. And you, when you come to church, everybody should leave you. Oh, leave me. I'm, 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 I'm in the church, I'm coming, I'm doing a favor. Don't you know I'm doing a favor? But he said, that we should show you how to behave yourself in church. One of the things you should do is when we say hallelujah, you say amen. Amen. <laughs> hallelujah. See, the world thinks, when they say the church, the world thinks it's about sex. Oh, as for these people, church, Christians, it's only, oh, don't, don't have sex. No, 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 that's not our message. You see, the, the, those people who, are, who approach you based on Ten Commandments, they misrepresented the church. Yeah. What's Ten Commandments? <laughs> it's Christ. Yes. If you have Christ, you won't be told what not to do. Yes. Because the spirit of Christ in your heart will be crying, I'm a father, I'm a father, I'm a father. So when you are with that guy or with the, whatever you are doing, and the spirit begins to cry, I'm a father, I'm a father. Then, 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 then you tell the guy, no, no, you have to, you know, you have to stop this thing. He said, then, then he said, oh, why, why do you have to stop? Oh, it's the same, you are not the same, you just want to just, no, 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 no. I can't do it. Then they be, I'm a father, I'm a father, I'm a father. So sometimes you are going, hey, I'm a father, I'm a father, I'm a father. So, what's important is you keep coming and living anyhow. All my our target is to get Christ inside you. Amen. <laughs> because as soon as he enters you, no one will tell you. The baby himself will be crying. I'm a father. I'm a father. I'm a... How many of you have done some bad thing before? Or you, after you came to Christ, you felt so uncomfortable. You felt, I can't take this. I can't take that. I didn't say sex. I did something. I just. 
said, I'm writing these things to you so that you will know how to behave yourself in the church. And then what did he say about the church? He says, which is the church of God, which is, uh, sorry, how behave yourself in the house of God. Who? I'm writing to Christians. In the house of God, which is the church of the living God. So what is the house of God? What's the church? And Bethel is the house of God. Bethel is the church. God said, get to Bethel. And you hear me giving you promises as El Shaddai for the purposes of multiplying and being fruitful for, for the body. The body supplies, building itself in love and growing, all knit together, joined together to, with Christ. We begin to nourish each other. Nourish the, see, 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 not being good to people. I'm not talking about being nice to people. I'm talking about living the body life. Serving the interests of God in the church. Some of us, because of our experiences in life and our personalities and non-personalities, experiences in life and our conditioning, we are so negative about the church. So negative. You have posed as a son. But you are not a son, like the song we sang. You are not a son of the church. Yesterday, as I was teaching at CTG, I said something profound. Listen, we are praying for revival. Forget, it, forget about, you think it's about Caris? No. Go and see if you see Caris ministries in the Bible. <laughs> it's never anywhere. And there's no church name in the Bible. Never anywhere in the Bible would you see a name of a church. It is always the church in a place. So we are part of the church in London. The church in London. And when we are praying for revival, that God used the church in London. And there are a lot of different churches in London. And we are all one. We have this mystic union. We are all one. Yes, there are in, in, in our, within our walls, there are elements that are not members of the church. They are just church members physically, but spiritually they are not part of God's house. So that, that's a different thing. That they are not part of God's house, but that's okay. Because it, you always have that. It's called mixed multitude. But the church must wake up. The church, we must fight for the cause of the church in London. The church in United Kingdom. Yeah. The church in our times. Yeah. So yesterday we spent time praying for the church. In London. For the church. In London. He said the persecution arose against the church that was Jerusalem. He didn't say the Christ everlasting ministries in Jerusalem. But guess what? If they were attacking the church, Paul, he would go into individual local assemblies. Yes. Yeah. So once he attacks one local, he has attacked the church. That's how heaven is spiritually. He's saying, I has attacked the church that is in London or in Jerusalem. And he said that the church that was in Antioch, in Revelation chapter 1, he says, write these things to the churches in Asia. 
The seven churches in Asia, Smyrna, Pegamos, Ephesus, Titeria, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Write this to the churches in Asia and Sardis, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Pegamos. They, uh, uh, they are all cities. They are provinces. So it didn't say uh, a church called Eternal Life Everlasting Thou Shall Come Ministries. No. <laughs> Listen, in heaven, God does not recognize none of that. Yes, 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 yes. He recognizes the church in London. He recognizes the church in England. He recognizes the church in Great Britain. That is how it works. So when you hear negative news about a church in London, know that we are under attack. Yes. Yes. It's all one body, one body, one body, one body, one body. One body. So when he says that you have to be a supplier or bear fruit for the building of the church, it's not so much talking about just being a nice person. It's talking about making sure the church is doing well, making sure you are fighting for the church, making sure that you are working and making the church go well. I know people listen to me who are not members of Courage Ministries. Whatever church you are in, rise up and build. Grow up and build. Grow up and build. That's why in Courage Ministries, we don't go around telling people, come to our church, leave your church. That's nonsense. <laughs> Unless, of course, we want to get you born again. You are not born again. Maybe you are somewhere you are not born. You are in Jehovah's Witness. You are not born again. In fact, you can't be born again being Jehovah's Witness. That's another story altogether. You are not born again. Then we preach to you. And when we preach to you, we want you to come where we can help you. Why should we preach to you and leave you somewhere where you cannot be helped? That's, two, that's a different thing. Because, ah, this is good. Listen, our interest. So, this gentleman, if he's Interest is building the church. It doesn't matter if he meets you somewhere and he preaches to you and he can see that you are hungry. The onus lies on him to do anything within his power that will help you to grow in Christ for the building of the church. So if he realizes that you are in A and you are not growing and it's affecting you and you are not, and constantly after monitoring you, he probably have to refer you to another GP. Because he has a responsibility. His job is to build the body. Not to pursue his interest. So as a pastor, as I stand here, I am under obligation to God to make sure that someone is growing in Christ. I don't need your money. <laughs> El Shaddai's chief focus is Bethel. When you get to Bethel, he will change your nature. When you get to Bethel, he will give you a promise. He does not give promise in Padan Aram, even though you met and fought with him over there. He said, what is your name? Bless me. He blessed, but he didn't give a promise. He doesn't give promise in Sukkoth, because there's no need he shows up there. He doesn't give promise in Shechem. You built an altar, but he said, that's not the place I want. He said, I am the God of Bethel. Meet me in Bethel. Because all there's only one thing God is doing. And look, in Revelation, the Bible says that, then I saw, the, uh, Revelation chapter 21, I saw the new heaven and the new earth coming out from God. 
And then the verse 3. Verse 3 is what it said, I heard a voice. Verse 3 said, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will do with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will dwell. That is God's chief objective. He's always looking for us to dwell among. And in Revelation, that's what's going to happen. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says that there's no need for a temple because God himself is the temple. He said, and I saw no temple in it for the Lord himself or the Lord God almighty shall die. And the lamb at the temple. Because God wants to stay in, from, from, from the beginning. He's always wants to stay in his people. Stay in his people, which is called his house. So that is what God is working towards. And Revelation, you see that's At the end of the day, we all meet and God is with us. He's living amongst us and we are in him. That is a beautiful eternal union. Hallelujah. That's what this church thing is about. And the church is growing. Yes. And everybody who calls himself or herself a Christian has a God-given responsibility from El Shaddai to build Bethel. Mm. Build Bethel. Tell someone, build Bethel. If you are comfortable with the person, hit the person on the shoulder. Maybe it's for healing. <laughs> no, when, if you are comfortable, if you don't know the person, careful, please. <laughs> careful. Build Bethel. Build Bethel. That, that, that. Yes. Build Bethel. <laughs> Build better. Build better. <laughs> but the church must rise up. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ alone. That's, that's our foundation. Jesus and nothing else. And there's only one thing he's doing. He said, I will build my church. Are you building with him? Or are you building your own thing? Or are you building against him? El Shaddai. The title of my message is All Sufficient God of Bethel. The All Sufficient God of Bethel. I've spoken longer than I expected. But I believe I might have not been sent to everybody, but there are certain individuals listening to me. You know God sent me to you. And some of you, God has already been speaking to you already, giving you indications that the way your focus is going, that's not what he called you for. You are a child of God. He said, Jacob, get up from Shechem. Get up from Sukkoth. Get up from Padan Aram. You had encounters there, but get up from there. I want to, I'm the God of battle. Let's meet in battle. I'll give you the promise. I'll increase you and multiply you for the multiplication of my house. I'll multiply you so you can be a, 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 a fruitful in my house. God sent me to somebody. Is the voice of the one calling in the wilderness make straight the path of the Lord. But I want to pray for somebody here. You want to say, oh, to Jesus, I surrender. You want to say that, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. I surrender to you. I know there's an assignment over my life. I can't run away from it any longer. I can't live otherwise, otherwise. I want to say yes to Jesus. You want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to surrender. I'm ready to surrender. Let Jesus start a new work in my life. I'm ready to be used as a vessel. As a vessel. El Shaddai's vessel for building Bethel. 
I'm ready to live the church life. I'm ready to live the body life. To supply, be a, be a beneficiary, be, be beneficial, so that I'll be beneficial to the body. I'll not just be taking from the body, but I'll supply for the growth of the body. Pastor, please pray for me. I'm ready. Somebody here, you want to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus and start a new work with Jesus. I know God is calling me. Please, everybody, bow your head. Thank you, Lord. I can't stop the end the message without praying for you because I'm a messenger. God sent me to you, and this is the time. Your time has come to step into destiny. Your time has come to seize the moment, to move into what God has designed you to be. If that is your genuine prayer, I want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to start afresh with Jesus. Lift up your right hand high so I can see it, and I'm going to pray with you. Say this after me from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I've sinned against you, but I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sins and to make me your own. I make a commitment to you that I will live for you. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I will serve you and I will build your church. I will serve the interests of your church and I will be to your glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you so much for these precious ones. They heard your voice and they've come forward. I pray that, Lord, keep them strong in the things of God. Raise these ones as pillars for the building of the body of Christ, that they will enjoy you as El Shaddai for the purpose of Bethel. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.